Welcome to the Amazing Metscast episode 13, our wild episode, the wild card episode, where we will preview the wild card game, and boy, what a game it is. But before we get into that, let's go through to business, all right? Dan John's Wings helps us out yet again. Very awesome way on them sponsoring this episode, danandjohns.com, Dan and John's Wings. Of course, you can find them at City Fields. And another cool thing about Dan and John's Wings is... They have awesome Sunday orders for wings for football Sundays for pickup and delivery, which can be placed on danandjohns.com. If you're heading out to the game tonight, be sure to visit Dan and John's at City Fields. Get yourself some good wings as we warm up to what should be a great game. So that being said, here we are. Wednesday, October 5th, D-Day. City Field, the New York Mets, the San Francisco Giants. One of the best pitching matchups you'll ever see in a playoff game. Noah Syndergaard, Thor himself, the god of thunder. 14-9, ERA. He'll be opposed by Madison Bumgarner. 15-9, 2.74 ERA. Bumgarner versus the Mets, by the way. 2-0 this year with a 3.27 ERA. Career, 5-0 with a 1.80 ERA. Now... Kind of interesting fact, though, the current Mets roster versus Bumgarner, 41 for 157. That's a 261 average with five home runs. It's not terrible. Syndergaard versus the Giants, 101, 2.63 ERA this year. Uh, Career, 1-2, 3.66. The current Giants roster versus Syndergaard, 9 for 51 with a, one, it's a 176 average, which is about a third of the um, experience compared to the two rosters of what the Mets have against Bumgarner. Of course, Syndergaard hasn't been around that long. Two teams have an 87-75 and 75 record. And, um, man, this is going to be a hell of a game. It's going to be one of those nail-biting games, one of those games where it's a 2-1, to one, it's one nothing. who knows, Who's going to have the big blast? You know, who's going to manufacture a run first? It's going to be a heck of a game. And uh, we're going to preview that game in this episode with three very interesting perspectives. So we'll start off with the MLB analyst perspective, which we'll get from CJ Nikowski, former Major League Baseball player, who also played for the Mets for a time, by the way, and now can be seen on FS1, as well as on MLB Network Radio and CBS Sports Radio. Then... We'll head to San Francisco. We'll speak with Ann Killian of the San Francisco Chronicle. We'll uh, we'll take a look at the San Francisco perspective of things. She'll tell us a little bit about the San Francisco Giants team, and we'll delve into what plagued them through the season and what brought them here now. And then lastly, we'll step to the Mets beat. We'll visit with James Wagner of the New York Times, and we'll take a look at where the Mets stand going into this game and what to look forward to. So that being said... After a couple words from our sponsors, we'll get to CJ Nikowski. Stay tuned. Listen up, Mets fans. The holidays are rapidly approaching, and our beloved New York Mets are making another playoff run right before our very eyes. So FanChest is celebrating by giving all listeners today 15% off a New York Mets FanChest. FanChest is the perfect gift for you or the diehard Mets fan in your life. Use code METSCAST15. To claim your discount. Fan Chest is quite literally the best gift any Mets fans can get. It's packed with exclusive gear, licensed MLB merchandise, including a New York Mets shirt, hat, and three to four other mystery Mets products we know you'll love. Each box also comes with a chance to win signed memorabilia or tickets to games. And the best part is, it's delivered right to your door. So what are you waiting for? Use code METSCAST15 and gear up for Mets playoffs now at FanChest.com. Welcome back to the Maze and Mets cast. We have with us our special guest of the week, former major leaguer and current MLB analyst for FS1, MLB Network Radio, and CBS Sports Radio. CJ Nikaski joins us on the Maze and Mets cast. CJ, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure, Brian. All right, CJ. So we have two teams who have had their struggles during the seasons with the Mets and the Giants, yet found their way to this wild card game. How do you see these two teams matching up in this game? You know, it's interesting because, like you mentioned, they both kind of struggled a little bit, but the Giants really got it together uh, toward the end there. Sweeping the Dodgers and beating some of their best pitchers was certainly some 
encouraging news, and certainly the Mets have some experience from a year ago. When you think about the experience that the Giants have, it certainly plays well into their favor. You know, they become, a, for me, a very dangerous postseason team because they have some more track records and some guys that have had a little bit more success uh, in the past. Uh, but it should be, you know, you never know what's going to happen. In a one-game playoff, I mean, really anything goes. And so that really makes it all the more interesting. Um, it's really difficult to pick these games and try to figure out exactly what's going to happen. I think we all try to do it. We all try to find a player who we think is going to have an impact. But the good news for us as fans is that we get a great pitching matchup. I mean, this is going to be a lot of fun to watch Noah Syndergaard and Madison Bumgarner go at it. Yeah, I couldn't think of another wild card game that had this type of marquee pitching matchup in this one game playoff with two of the best aces in the game right now, uh, three and four in the league. And the uh, was it just in the NL or all of MLB of ERA this year? I'm sorry, say that again. For uh, top ERA in the league, I believe Syndergaard oh. and Bumgarner were three and four. Uh huh. Uh, that so, might sound right. I don't, I don't have it in front of me, but yeah, that probably sounds right. But yeah, trying to get you know getting that kind of matchup uh, when you're talking about guys. Uh, that have had that kind of success and that are near the top. I mean, listen, that's one of the great things about uh, the postseason, the wild cards. We get to see some of the best, you know, go up against each other. But this matchup, I mean, compared to the American League game, you know, where you have Chris Tillman, who's good, and Marcus Stroman, who's good, but it's not Noah Syndergaard mm-hmm. and it's not Madison Bumgarner. I mean, we're really fortunate that we get this kind of matchup. The postseason is good in the sense that we get, um, you know, we'll get to see some of the best pitching, but it doesn't always work out with these guys. We'll match up against each other, but – uh, we got that this time around. A lot of that also has to do with the depth that the Giants have, too. The fact that you know, they kind of set their rotation uh, to finish out this way if they had to, and it's worked out in their favor. But fortunately for the Mets, they were able to lock down their wild card spot as well and be able to use Noah Syndergaard in this game. And like we're talking about, these are you know some of the best pitchers in the game. So what kind of approach do you see the two offenses trying to take to wear down these pitchers? Yeah, it's tough, right? You get caught in between because you have guys that know how to strike out hitters, right? Both of them do. And so the adage goes, okay, well, how do you play it? Do you try to get to these guys early, you know, go hacking early, look for a fastball early and go for contact? The downside of that is that if you execute that plan, but you're not actually getting hits and those guys keep their pitch counts down. And I think in the case of the Giants, you want to get to that bullpen quicker. The Mets bullpen has been a better bullpen than the Giants this year. They have better arms. The Giants, again, have some track records, but they don't necessarily uh, have guys that are, um, that, that Bruce Bochy is very confident in right now. And, and so if I'm the Mets, i got to do everything I can to get Madison Bumgarner out of that game. So that probably means being a little bit more patient, uh, you know, playing, trying to play a little bit smart. I mean, this guy's a horse. We've seen what he's done in the postseason before, and he'd throw 150 pitches if Bruce Bochy let him. Uh, but I think the Mets' best chances of winning this game are getting Madison Bumgarner out of it uh, as soon as possible or just trying to hang in there uh, and win this thing late. And like I said, the Mets bullpen is definitely a plus for them. Giants bullpen has struggled a lot going down the stretch. And, you know, here we sit. It's a one-game playoff. And I'm just curious, with you being an ex-player and having this one game off with a winner-go-home atmosphere after playing a 162-game season, what's your thoughts of having just this type of do-or-die game and that's it? You know, it's fun to watch, right? A lot of us feel like, you know, is it, is it manufactured? Is it a manufactured Game 7? The excitement of it as a fan is fantastic. Uh, is it fair to those teams? Uh, I think it probably is. I mean, I don't necessarily look at the wild card as the postseason. I think it gives you a chance to get into the postseason because in baseball, postseason means you play in a series. That's how it's always been done. Right. Uh, that's the best way to really, I think, have two teams go up against each other. But you can't match the excitement of this either. Um, so I'm a big believer. You know, you win your division, you deserve uh, to go into a series uh, and make it happen that way. So I'm uh, – I'm okay with the format. I know some people say, well, should we go to a best of three? The problem there is that the other teams have to sit around and wait if we did any kind of series for the wild card. That's probably not fair to them. That's almost a punishment to them for winning their division. Uh, It makes sense. Like you said, I mean, it's a great event. It's a one-game playoff. It feels like a game seven, even though it's just this one-game play-in type game. And uh, it's going to be a great game between Noah Syndergaard and Madison Bumgarner. I believe Bumgarner, I read 4-0 with a .62 ERA at City Field. It's absolutely incredible. (laughs) That is amazing to think. He'll be comfortable. I mean, this is a guy that relishes the moment. I think you could say the same thing about Noah Syndergaard Mm -hmm. as well. Neither one of these guys are scared. You know, the thing, obviously, also, I know there's been a lot of talk about it, but just keeping an eye on Noah Syndergaard in the stolen base situation. You know, that could be significant, just like we saw with John Lester a couple of years ago. 
um, and people taking advantage of that when he was with the A's and all of a sudden a lot of attention being paid to that. Syndergaard's in that same situation. Rene Rivera, a guy I played with in the Dominican and winter ball before, he's really going to have his hands full uh, in making sure that the Giants are not trying to take advantage of Noah Syndergaard and his struggles to keep runners on. Yeah, and that's definitely been his biggest struggle of the year. I mean, there were teams that were just running on him at ease during the year. Uh, I think probably one of the worst times we noticed it against the Arizona Diamondbacks. They were just running on him at will when the Mets were in one of their worst funks of the season. Uh, but, you know, here they are. They all regroup. They're back here in the wild card game. You know, what we see is a marquee pitching matchup. How do you see these two offenses, you know, coming out of this? Do you think there's one player that would stand out for each team of trying to take the offense, carry it on their back? Well, you always look at the big bats, but again, in a series, I think you could look at that a little bit more. So, okay, who's going to be the guy who's going to put the most consistent at-bats together? Uh, that's a little bit easier. I think in a one game, you don't know. I mean, obviously, the Mets look to you on a Cespedes, but at the same time, if I'm Madison Bumgarner and this game is close and you start getting into the fifth, sixth, seventh inning, I'm probably not pitching to him. I'm not saying you're going to intentionally walk him, but you're probably you're not going to give in. And so when you have the one bat that you could really identify uh, as a guy that could be a problem, uh, you probably try to stay away from him as much as possible late. So you never know. I mean, Buster Posey has the history, but you know, the power hasn't been there uh, for him this year. Same thing with Hunter Pence. Has not quite been uh, the same guy. Denard Span actually swung the bat pretty well in the second half. It could be a guy like that, not a power guy, but uh, a little bit of a shorter stroke and, and putting the ball in play and trying to do something uh, with his legs. So it's always difficult to pick out who will be the guy. You're trying to find a, a pick to click. I think it'd be fun if Jay Bruce came up big in this series. I know yeah. we finished the season really strong, but Met fans were pretty tough on him. Uh, and I think, you know, just real quick on that for me, I, I felt bad for him. You know, changing teams for the first time in your career in the middle of the year and going to such a huge market and to watch him struggle early on and just people just crushing him in the media and, and on social media, I felt bad for him. It was good to see him finish strong. So you'd love to see a guy like that uh, have a big moment in this game, maybe propel the Mets to a win. I think that'd be uh, fantastic to watch. Uh, I agree. Uh, he had a very tough start, a very tough on him by the fans. And of course, he was coming in leading the league in RBIs at the time and struggled. But down the stretch, like you said, he really came out of it, looked pretty confident at the plate, started some smacking some home runs. So, I mean, we would love to see that. And, and you know, kind of getting to that Bruce area, this is going to be a very lefty heavy lineup against Madison Bumgarner. And it's curious to see how much of an effect that's going to have on this offense. Yeah, it's going to be legit. I mean, there's no two ways about it. Madison Bumgarner is difficult on anybody he's facing. You know, it doesn't matter who necessarily, but because he's left-handed, uh, you naturally do uh, worry about how he's going to be against those lefties and thinking about Curtis Granderson and Jay Bruce and, you know, what you're going to do uh, at first base and try to get that whole situation worked out. So uh, it's tough. I mean, that's definitely a disadvantage here for the Mets. But again, uh, the quicker you can get him out of there, uh, the better off you will be. And that's certainly something I think that has to be, you know, the Mets game plan. Now that's easier said than done. Uh, I'm just looking real quick here. Mad Bum, 178 batting average against lefties. I mean, that's dominant yeah. for a starter. Yep. Absolutely dominant. 58 strikeouts to eight walks. And, and he's been good against righties, too. I mean, just 220 this year. It's a really good number. And those are really good splits. So there, there's no getting around it. The Mets are going to have their hands full. Uh, they got to find a way to get to that bullpen as quickly as possible or just hold on as long as you can. I mean, this is a game I think of a ghost extra innings probably favors the Mets uh, a little bit more or even tied through the eighth inning probably favors the Mets. And I think realistically, if you're laying out a game plan uh, outside of just, you know, catching Madison Bumgarner on an off night and getting to him early, I think the reality is you want to keep it close so that you can get to them late. Yeah, it's sure to be a hell of a game. Game's on tonight, 8 o'clock ESPN. Uh, Sita, just to wrap it up, any guesses of who you think is going to take this game move on to Chicago? Uh, I did pick the Giants, and I did that only because I just feel like they're kind of a fun underdog. And I know, obviously, it's weird to say that they're an underdog, but the way their season has gone, I actually have them going pretty deep. And I always take some chances here and there, which is hard for me to do. You know, I played for the Mets, and I love the Mets, mm -hmm. and I love the Mets fans. And I'm not even going to say I'd be disappointed if the Mets won. I wouldn't be. Uh, but I did my own little bracket, and I got I to gotta stick to my gun. So I did pick the Giants to win. I actually had them beating the Cubs, too. Maybe that's probably why I did it, because I wanted to see them maybe take it to the Cubs, because I think that would be a great series to watch with the depth of starting pitching. But if the Mets were to do it again, I'd be perfectly fine with me, too. Hey, it's going to be a hell of a game. Uh, we'll see what happens. One game playoff, winner take all pretty much at this point, and they'll move on to Chicago. CJ, thanks so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Brian. Good job. Do you enjoy the show and want to follow us on the web? Well, there just so happens to be numerous ways you can do so. You can find us on Twitter, at AmazingMetsCast, as well as on Facebook, and our own website, theamazingmetscast.com. Follow us, 
rate us, subscribe to us, download us, stream us, love us. Thank you. Welcome back to the Amazing Mets cast. Thanks again, of course, to CJ Nikaski for giving us a few minutes of his time and what is a very busy time of year for himself. So, now you're going to hear from Ann Killian of the San Francisco Chronicle, and she's going to take a look at the San Francisco side of things. Give us a little bit of a aspect from the San Francisco point of view of where this team stands, where they were, and who they are. So, without further ado, here's our interview with Ann Killian of the San Francisco Chronicle. Welcome back to the Amazing Mets cast. We have with us one of our special guests this week, uh, joining us from the other side of the game. Ann Killian, sports columnist for the San Francisco Chronicle, join us. And thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. All right, Ann. So to start things off, for those of us who don't know too much about this Giants team this year, I mean, obviously the two teams did play each other a little bit. Um, how would you describe this team this year? Uh, completely split personality. Um, it, it was a, a very, very strange year for the Giants. They they had the best record in the first half, and they um, and they had it despite a whole bunch of different injuries. Hunter Pence was injured. Um, you know, it's a, it's a different team. They had some significant changes in the off season, but they got out with a bang. And you know, you could say maybe the schedule wasn't as hard in the in the first half as the second half, but it just um, everything seemed to click. And and they were rolling. They had the best record in baseball at the break, and then the wheels came off. Um, some people think they just relaxed. They they started a uh, the second half with a four game series in San Diego, which is where the All Star game was. And so some guys like rented houses down there and and you know had vacations. Um, and some people think, oh, you know, like their bodies forgot that they were actually still playing baseball and they and they never could snap back out of it. But they just everything that had gone right in the first half seemed to go wrong in the second half. Um, a lot of it was based on the bullpen, which was really bad. I, I don't have the number of saves that they blew, but uh, it was a lot. Um, and which is weird because Bruce Bochy tends to be a master of the bullpen. So it was just odd to see uh, him making kind of the wrong decision and, and whatever he was trying didn't work a lot of the time. But also they just stopped hitting, and, and they really um, gosh, they won very few series in the second half. So they were just really clinging on for dear life going down the stretch, and then they had this little uh, four-game winning streak to end the season, five out of the last six games, and here they are in the wild card, which is where they were in 2014, same position. Yeah, uh, it's an even year. It always seems to be their year on an even year. And, you know, as you alluded to, great first half, tough second half, rallied that last week. Cardinals kept base with them, but they just got that one game better than the Cardinals sneaking into the uh, wild card along with the Mets. Um, going into City Field this Wednesday with their ace on the mound, how do you feel their confidence level is at this point? Well, it's funny because I think their confidence level has suddenly switched into high gear. Um, and... I don't know that it was there, say, a week ago. I mean, they had a couple of frustrating losses. But this is a team, um, there aren't many guys on this team that have been there all, all along through all three World Series championships in 10, 12, and 14. But there are some very key figures who have been there for all three, including Butcher Posey and Madison Bumgarner and Bruce Bochy. Um, and then a lot of the guys have at least been around since 2012. Um, so they know what October is all about. And um, you can, it, it almost feels like they switched a gear. You know, they flipped a switch and, and they just understand what they have to do now. Um, and the fact that they have Bumgarner going, I, I mean, they think he walks on water. Um, you know, we've all seen what the guy can do in the postseason. I think they they understand this is a much different situation than they were in two years ago when they went to uh, PNC Park in, in Pittsburgh because uh, Clint Hurdle had pitched uh, Jarrett Cole, their ace, uh, trying to avoid the wild card on the last day of the season. So um, they were not throwing their best pitcher out there, and obviously the Mets are a different situation. So the Giants know that this, you know, this is a very, very good pitcher they're facing, a very strong opponent, an opponent that was in the postseason and did damage last year. 
um, made it all the way to the World Series. So I don't think they're taking anything lightly, but I think their confidence is pretty high. Yeah, and the pitching matchup, it's going to be insane. I think it's one of the best pitching matchups I, myself in a postseason game like this has seen in a long time, and it's going to be great yeah, to witness. I, absolutely. I think everyone's just, you know, excited about that. And and to have that kind of a matchup in a one-game series is, is uh, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on this game. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And just out of curiosity, how do you feel about the one-game off for this in a wild-card scenario? Um, you know, I think it does its job in terms of keeping a lot of teams, uh, involved. I think it's kind of not very fair. Um, now if the, if the Giants lose a one game scenario, um, then, you know, I mean, I I don't think they have anything to complain about considering how their second half went, but, you know, I think, I don't know. I think it's tough because it's not baseball. Baseball is not, um, a sport that plays one game series Mm -hmm. unless it's a play in game. So, I just think it's kind of weird, um, but it does keep a lot of different teams involved to the very end, which we saw this year, you know, with some really, you know, I mean, it came down to, to the last day of the season um, in both leagues. So, you know, that that's exciting, um, but it does feel, I mean, I remember two years ago I was in Pittsburgh and I remember feeling pretty crushed for those fans because they're really good fans and, um, you know, that they had home field and boom, it you know. All of a sudden, in the fourth inning, Brandon Crawford hit a grand slam, and it was over. And it's crazy to get into like the home field scenario of it. How many times the away team has really taken these games? Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the statistics are, but I know that certainly um, it 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 doesn't necessarily play out to favor the home team. And um, yeah, I'll, I mean, the the Giants won all of their. Well, they had home field in 2012, but they didn't need it because they swept the Tigers in the World Series. Mm-hmm. But um, in 2010 and 2014, they were the road team throughout, and they ended up winning, uh, you know, winning World Series both teams. So baseball's funny that way. Sometimes the the home field doesn't doesn't mean as much as you would think it would. Yeah, you never know what's going to happen, especially on a one game playoff like this. I mean, as the Giants went down the stretch and they saw, you know, the Mets and Cardinals behind them at a point before the Mets uh, came up there. Was there any preference by the Giants who, if they thought they matched up better with one of those two teams? I think they would have preferred, I mean, you know, none of them would say it, but I think they would have preferred to play the Cardinals because they just have the Cardinals number in the postseason. I mean, they've they've taken them out. um, They took them out in 2014. They took them out in 2012, too. And it's just, I don't know, for some reason it's it's worked out for them. Um, But, uh, yeah, I mean, (laughs) they were... They were not in a position to be to be um, trying to be selective about mm-hmm. anything. I mean, they really, you know, were just desperately trying to string together a little momentum and, and get into the postseason. So, but I think I think uh, they probably would have said they would have prefer- preferred the Cardinals. And plus, the Cardinals were really struggling. Yeah, and, and it's funny because from the opposite end, Mets fans saw it the opposite way, where they didn't want to see the Cardinals because of all the history those two teams have had. Cardinals, just to me, they've always found a way to get by and win whatever big game they needed to against the Mets anyway. You know, you come down. To yeah, so. not against the Giants. <laughs> I mean, they, they, you know, I mean, they're the team that, you know, Barry Zito went out and, and beat them in, uh, yeah. in 2012 and at, you know, in St. Louis. And that was that was kind of the end of the Cardinals. Um, but, yeah, I think, uh, you know, who knows? I mean, whatever matchup you're going to get. I mean, you, you just don't know how it's going to play out. I mean, I've heard a lot of people in from other markets saying that the one team that they don't want to see is the Giants because they know how to win in October sure. and you don't want to see Bumgarner on the mound on, in October under any circumstances. So I don't know, you know, I don't know how the Mets feel about that, but, um, and certainly he, uh, he pitched very well against them in, at City Field in, I believe it was in May, mm-hmm. and took the win, and he and Syndergaard were going head-to-head in that game. So, you know, but that was May. <laughs> the yeah. Giants were a whole different animal in May than they than they have been these last few weeks. Sure. I mean, the adrenaline's up. These two aces, it's going to be a hell of a game to me. And how do you feel the Giants match up at this point with the Mets in this one-game playoff? Well, um, I mean, I don't know that anyone matches up well with Syndergaard, but um, I... You know, I, it just really depends on the, on the Giants' bats. They just have been so quiet 
uh, for so long. And then they really kind of got it together in the last, um, the last couple days. And they, they started scoring extra runs and getting the timely hit. And that to me, and Bochi had been saying it because everyone wanted to pin their, all their woes on the, on the bullpen. And, and really, um, it, it isn't. It wasn't that. It was that they could never uh, get more than a one a one run lead. So it always came down to the bullpen. But they just had so many missed opportunities. So many men left on base. So I, in terms of the matchup, I mean, I think it just it really depends on what Giants team shows up. If the Giants team that showed up in the last couple of days, they they they'll, they'll match up very well. But if they if if they can't hit, um, if you know if they play the way they were playing most of the second half, then they will not do well. Now, as they came down the stretch here and they went on that little hot streak, is there one batter that you would say that is the catalyst for their offense? Um, well, I think, uh, you know, Kent had a, a good past couple of days and, and he's been very erratic this, uh, this season. Um, you know, Brandon Crawford has probably been their most consistent hitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and finally Buster kind of came a little bit alive. I mean, I think that was one of the big problems was, you know, Buster was struggling. There'd be men on base and he couldn't get them in. And I think that that, they depend on him, um, psychologically, I think, um, when he doesn't go well, it kind of deflates the whole lineup. So, um, you know, they just, they, they have, when, when, uh, when the season started, I looked at the lineup and looked at the experience at it in it and, and really thought, wow, this you know this team can do some damage, and it just they just haven't been able to put it together. Now a guy who had a huge game of, I mean a huge uh, couple of games over the weekend was Angel Pagan, who's also been very quiet as of late. So I mean if they can just, it's just a matter of if, if these guys get going. You know we know that they all have October experience; they know what to do. Um, but they just you know they haven't been doing it uh, in in recent weeks. And you know, kind of same aspect for the Mets. It's a, it's a streaky team. I mean, they're either really hot or they're really cold for the Mets. I mean, really the last past week, they're either scoring 7, 10, 12 runs or they're scoring one or two runs. You just don't know what team's going to show up in a game like this. Yeah, and in that way, I think that they're very similar. Uh, yeah. You know, this is the team that wavered in and out of being in the wild card, uh, you know, for a long time. And, you know, uh, you know obviously the Nationals kind of, started running away with mm-hmm. the division early. Um, so I, I think there's, I think there's some similarities uh, between, and you know, you want to build on a year when you got to the world series. Um, and so I'm sure that they're just as motivated, you know, as the giants. It's, it's, I, I think there's a lot of similarities between the two teams. Yeah. And that's mounted with injury after injury. I mean, you had a rotation that included Matt Harvey, DeGrom, uh, Matt's, and, you know, now your number two starter, Bartolo Colon, who's had a great year uh, for his aspects, of course. But it, it's just a completely different team than you would expect to see out there at this point. Right, right. And we all love Bartolo. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> having, having had him here in the Bay Area for a while, we, he is just such a great story. It's so amazing to watch. So it, that's, it's the most that's entertaining in sports to me. <laughs> I don't know another <laughs> more entertaining athlete to me anyway seeing this guy pitch live and hitting and running and it's incredible so yeah he's 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 really quite quite the athlete (laughs) so as you said and the bullpen's been the Giants biggest issue as of late how big a concern do you think the bullpen is going into a game like this where it could be a very low scoring type game going into the late innings well I think it's huge I mean I think you know I think if if it becomes a bullpen game that uh people here will be watching with their, you know, hands over their face through their fingers because it's really been their Achilles heel and it's just been one of those things. I mean, you know how when a, a bullpen is going bad that, you know, the fan, it's just so easy for the fans to like, you know, hate that guy to mm-hmm. never want to see him, to boo him. And, and that became Santiago Casilla, which is too bad because he's, you know, he's had a very good career, but he just, uh, you know, he just, had moments this year where we just gave it up. And so it looks like the closer for now is Sergio Romo, um, which, who, of course, was their closer in 2012. Uh, you know, I think everyone hopes that Bumgarner can pitch a complete game because 
you know, that's that's always your sure bet. Don't go to the bullpen. But it's funny with the, the Giants, you know, the one big change in the offseason was Jeremy Asselt, uh retired. And that, and he was on uh, those three World Series teams. And he was just definitely the linchpin that kind of held everything together. He kind of, he allowed Bochy to know where everyone's role was. And without him, it's all kind of fallen apart. Um, so it's just been a really interesting thing. And, you know, Bochi has the, the reputation as being arguably the best manager in the game when it comes to using his bullpen. So it's been very weird to see it not working uh, for so much of the season. Um, but it, I think, you know, I, I, he won't, I don't think he's actually said for sure that Romo is his guy, but it looks like Romo is his guy. So, um, and Romo is confident. Romo knows how to do it. He's done it before. So I, I think that's the situation. They're, they have a lot of young arms. Some of them are good, but they just, um, you know, they've just been kind of erratic and they haven't, they haven't come through in the big moments. Um, I mean, I think for, for a long time, they were trying to make Hunter Strickland into their closer and it just, he just hasn't been able to, to do the job. So no one's, no one really has seized the job unless maybe Romo has here in the last few in the last week or so. And, and like you said, with the issue of the bullpen, I mean, do you see any possibility of Giants being able to pull out a game like this if Bumgarner doesn't actually have his A stuff? Um, well, uh, it depends on, on if Syndergaard has his A stuff. If yeah. he does and, and Bumgarner doesn't, no, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't really, um, I think that will, will spell uh, a lot of problems for the Giants. But I, um, you know, I think there's also Bumgarner hasn't had his first half was phenomenal. His second half has been good, but not phenomenal. Um, but he's also a guy who I think kind of becomes almost a different guy in October. Um, yeah. And that I think is, you know, kind of what the Giants are counting on. But he has the he knows what it's going to take. He he has the ability to dominate. um so, you know, and, and as far as anyone can tell, he's healthy, his arm is fresh, he doesn't have any issues, you know, he's built like a giant bowl. Um, so I think, you know, they feel really good about about him, even though he's had, a you know, a couple, one or two not great outings in the second, you know, in, in recent weeks. But um, I, yeah, I mean, if he, if he had a bad outing, um, yeah, I, I don't. I think that would be, again, a very deflating kind of thing for them. Yeah, I don't expect it. I mean, he's, like you said, he's a different pitcher when it comes to the postseason. I don't think there's too many better clutch pitchers than him myself. And earlier today, I actually saw an interesting stat that I didn't know. Giants have won eight straight elimination games. So, and just to wrap it up, I mean, do you expect them to pull out at City Field on Wednesday? Um, I <laughs> I can't say. I don't think I would bet on this game. Um, I... I I have seen this team look really really bad for much of the second half of this year, but I've also been to those elimination games. I have seen them find something, um, and I was with them all at, at every game, uh, all 17 of their playoff games in, in 2014, and just kind of saw how it clicked into place when the pressure was on. So I can't discount that because there are a lot of the same people on, on the team who will be going to city, you know, taking the field at city field. And um, so I, I, I'm of two minds, you know, what I've seen from the giants recently would make me think, mm, I don't think they're going to pull it off. But what I've seen from them historically in October makes me think, yeah, they could absolutely pull it off and then head to Chicago and you know that that team is cursed, so who knows what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, and for either team, to me, whatever team advances to the Cubs, they're almost playing with house money at this point. All the pressure is on Chicago throughout this rest I agree. of the playoff season. I agree with you completely. The pressure is on Chicago in a very intense way. You know, they've had, they haven't really had to, to deal with the competition this, this year. They've been, you know, they've, they've been cruising. They've been cruise control for a, for a long time. Uh, and they're Chicago, so you know I I was at the Bartman game. I saw everyone lose their mind because of something a fan did, you know. And that was, you know, I don't believe in curses, but I believe that people get very uptight because their team hasn't done something for a long time, which is kind of like a curse in itself. So yeah, yeah I think I think it's going to be really interesting. I would I would almost pick 
whoever whoever wins the wild card game to beat the Cubs. But um, you know, I'd yeah, have to think about I, that again. I, I could see it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I completely agree. Both of these teams are going to be playing with house money. I mean, Wednesday is going to be a great game. It's Noah Syndergaard versus Madison Bumgarner. And thanks so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Sure. Thanks for having me. Listen up, Mets fans. The holidays are rapidly approaching, and our beloved New York Mets are making another playoff run right before our very eyes. So FanChest is celebrating by giving all listeners today 15% off a New York Mets FanChest. FanChest is the perfect gift for you or the diehard Mets fan in your life. Use code METSCAST15 to claim your discount. FanChest is quite literally the best gift any Mets fans can get. It's packed with exclusive gear, licensed MLB merchandise, including a New York Mets shirt, hat, and three to four other mystery Mets products we know you'll love. Each box also comes with a chance to win signed memorabilia or tickets to games. And the best part is, it's delivered right to your door. So what are you waiting for? Use code METSCAST15 and gear up for Mets playoffs now at FanChest.com. Welcome back to the Amazing Mets cast, and it, it's always interesting to hear from the other side of things. Uh, thanks again to Ann Killian of the San Francisco Chronicle, giving us a few minutes of her time as uh, the New York Mets and San Francisco Giants prepare to take care of business tonight. It's Wednesday night on ESPN at 8 p.m., and now we'll hear from the Mets side of things. We'll go to the Mets beat as we join by James Wagner, Mets beat writer for the New York Times. Welcome back to the Amazing Mets cast. We have with us another special guest for this week on our special wild card episode coverage of the Mets versus the Giants. Uh, James Wagner draws as Mets beat writer for the New York Times. James, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. All right. So the Mets took care of business down the stretch. They'll now face off against the San Francisco Giants on Wednesday night at City Field tonight as we're listening to this. Uh, how much confidence do you feel this team currently has with themselves going into this one game playoff against uh, Madison Bumgarner and the San Francisco Giants? Yeah, I mean, I, I know they they understand the kind of tall task ahead, um, especially as a wild card team. And not only that, just you know, the the, the winner go home nature of of the wild card game. But uh, I think I think they feel pretty confident. I think Terry Collins said it best the other day, like you know, they overcame so much this season uh, to get to this point. Uh, so you know, what, what's just another you know big deep to continue doing the same thing already. So you know, I think overall uh, the confidence really showed uh, over the last you know month and a half. It you know. I think it'll carry them into Wednesday. And as for what it does on the field, you know, who knows? Yeah, and they were a completely fun team to watch over these last few weeks. I mean, you could just sense, I don't know, if it's almost more like that 2015 togetherness of the team over the last few weeks between the bat flips, the celebrations. The team really seems to be cohesive right now. Yeah, I mean, they're a pretty lighthearted group. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, playing well makes everyone happy, obviously. And, you know, I think that. I would not underscore like how important that is in terms of like a team chemistry, uh, but they, you know they're a pretty good group anyway. They got along. Uh, the young guys that have come up have you know been kind of quiet, um, and, you know, kind of know their role, uh, you know, in that sense. And you know the veteran guys already set the tone. There's so many of them, and it's kind of hard to point to like one guy as like the leader. But there's a group of them that have made a difference: Drupal Cabrera, Jose Reyes, uh, Curtis Granderson, um, you know, you know even Jay Bruce in a small way since he got here. Uh, I think all those guys kind of played a role in what's happened. Uh, during the six-week stretch. So, so yeah, I mean, they showed kind of the fun, lighthearted nature. They're a pretty, you know, laid-back, uh, even-keeled group, you know, already uh, anyway. So I think, you know, it just showed uh, during this run. Yeah, it's great to hear. It's great to see. It's great to watch. I mean, it's been an incredible run over these last few weeks of how they performed. And, of course, we have this great pitching matchup on Wednesday night with Syndergaard going for the Mets against Bumgarner. What do you expect to see out of Thor in yet another huge game in his young career? Yeah, I mean, there was a game he pitched really, really well against the Giants earlier this season. If you remember, it was like a, a Sunday night game. Um, you know, during you know the beginnings of really the early beginnings of the six-week stretch that kind of turned their season around. Uh, they're kind of like the best he'd looked in a while. Um, I think he went was it eight scoreless or seven scoreless? I'm blank right now. Sorry, yeah. off the top of my head. Uh, but he did really well against them. Um, he didn't do as well uh, previous time against them when when he and Bumgarner went you know head to head. Barton Garner got the better of him. I think he went like, you know, seven scoreless. Um, and then, uh, you know, uh, Noah, I think a lot of like four or five runs. I uh, won't buy some innings. So I know we'll see. I mean, they're both, uh, you know, they both finished the top, you know, top four in ERA um, in the majors this season. Uh, Noah just, just slightly above uh, Madison. 
Uh, but I think obviously they're both very good pitchers. Bumgarner has the edge in terms of experience um, and you know his accomplishments um, as a postseason pitcher. Uh, Noah is no slouch, but obviously a smaller sample size than what he did last season. Um, I think with Noah, I think thing to look out for, and as it always was the case this season, is you know he has strikeout stuff, you know you know put away stuff, really 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 dominant uh, pitches. Uh, but, you know, when he does let a guy on, you know, he allowed 48 stolen bases this season, which is by far the most in the majors. Um, you know, in every 90 feet in a, in a one-game playoff situation, it really matters. So, you know, we'll kind of see how, you know, his strengths and weaknesses match up against, you know, the Bumgarner's strengths and weaknesses and the Giants, too. Yeah, and it, it could be a very low-scoring game yet again. And like I said, every stolen base is really going to count here. And, I mean, how much of a running team is the Giants? Uh, they finished like four teams in the majors. They had 79 steals, so they don't okay. steal a ton. Uh, but, you know, there's a couple of guys at the top of their lineup or, you know, guys that could hit the top of the lineup, you know, Angel Pagan uh, or Denard Spann, who are capable of stealing, you know, a couple bases in key spots. They're not burners, uh, but they can in, in situations where they need to. Brandon Crawford, um, you know, Eduardo Nunez is very fast, but he's injured right now, and who knows if he'll play. Uh, but guys like that, you know, you know, if, if one run matters, you know, those guys could – kind of put themselves in that situation. So, you know, you know, I don't know what's going to happen in that sense. I don't know if they're going to kind of push the agenda more, you know, on Wednesday or not. And what would you say are the keys to success for this point? For the Mets to get past Bumgarner, get past the wild card, and head to Chicago, what are your keys for the success for this team? Well, just the, just the one on Wednesday, I would say, I don't know. I mean, they, they did hit Bumgarner pretty decently the second time they faced them this season. It was a game, you know, in San Francisco, um, you know, you know, late late August. They scored four runs off of, off of him. Um, they drove his pitch count up. I think it was a, it was a sequence in in that game where it was like a TJ Rivera single and then walks by Travis Darno and Ty Kelly. Really not your usual kind of like you know fearsome lineup, but those guys you know drove his pitch count up um, and got on base. And then Justin Ruggiano, I mean, who kind of you know who was injured and for the season, which kind of almost underscores like you know the Mets season overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hit a grand slam, but I guess this I guess the kind of the, the larger takeaway was that was, just, you know, it's easier said than done, but drive the pitch count up, uh, you know, get on base in that sense and, you know, limit how deep you can go into the game. And it's, it's going to be a heck of a battle between Bumgarner and Syndergaard. I mean, two offenses that are, could be pretty streaky. I mean, who do you look to be, if anyone, on the Mets to carry this offense? Who would you look for that key player to be in this game? Oh, man. I mean, you know, someone that, you know, has always risen to the occasion and, and really you know, hit well in really high-pressure situations as someone like Jonas Cespedes, uh, but, you know, really has not swung the bat that great recently. So I guess maybe you take his past track record, you know, throughout the season the last year in the playoffs and down the stretch where he really performed when they needed him. Uh, but, you know, I mean, someone like him or Estrubal Cabrera, who continues to swing the bat very well. Uh, Dan Bruce has shown a ton of life the last week plus. Um, Curtis Granderson, too. I mean, he, you know, hasn't really hit that well against lefties, but it's really shown a decent amount of power against them. Seven of his home runs of, of his thirty home runs this year were against lefties, um, you know, unlike before. So, yeah, I mean, those are kind of guys that you know could step up, and I, I don't know who would, uh, but you know, maybe it all comes down to the guy in the middle who, who they've leaned on already so much this season, especially. Yeah, and then you have you know young guys like T.J. Rivera who have been absolutely incredible in his short stint on you know offensively, he's been great, and he's just like you heard before he came up, he he just hits no matter where he is. Yeah, I mean, that's I mean, under undrafted rookie in 2011, you know, not really, you know, I think you know, it's hard to have trouble finding a position for him, um, you know, whether it's third or second or you know, even a little bit of left field that he played. Uh, but you know, he's always hit at every level, hit about 300 at every level. Um, maybe not much power and maybe not many walks, but he does it all with kind of good, solid, short swing contact. Um, so yeah, I mean, in that sense, he's been pretty. It's pretty, I guess, impressive the way he's maintained his, his approach. Um, and still managed to be productive uh, and playing every day, and you know for two two and a half plus weeks, and kind of you know in this this playoff push you know so far. So I think in that sense, you know, unfazed kind of like the other rookies that have contributed on this team. Yeah, and uh, probably the biggest debate I guess so far, if there's been any somewhat of a controversy going into this wild card game, uh, is the debate going on who's going to go play be playing first base on this wild card game? You know, originally. We even heard rumors a few days ago that they were thinking of putting Eric Campbell out there. That seemed to have been debunked since then, though. And so now we have between Lucas Duda, who you know only played, I believe, eight games since coming back. And then you have James Loney, who's been doing it for most of the year, had a huge clutch two-run homer against uh, Philadelphia in the clinching game. Who do you see at first base Wednesday night? 
Uh, it's tough. I mean, I, I would, I would, uh, I mean, I think you could make a strong case about Kelly Johnson at first base, although he's a lefty, seven mm-hmm. for 20 against uh, Bumgarner in his career. Um, you know, those pretty decent numbers. And, you know, James Loney and uh, Lucas Duda maybe haven't really hit that well against lefties uh, this season, although albeit in, you know, small sample sizes. Um, and they don't really have that much success to track record against uh, Baumgartner either. So maybe you could even make a case for that. I don't know. I mean, Loney, in, in that sense, uh, you know, might be more you know, more like a, a solid, you know, you know you're getting option. Um, you know, he's a contact, bad, not much power, you know, a decent glove. Uh, maybe not great, but decent enough. Uh, due to obviously always more power potential, but you just don't know. Um, he's had the you know the stiffest body in his back since he's come back because it's just not was not in game shape. He he'd been out in game shape. He'd been out for four months. So I don't know. I think you might have almost had to take the given thing and Loney, you know, despite the you know more talent um, in Duda and save Duda for a pinch hit spot or scrap all of it. It, it just put Kelly Johnson there. Yeah, and it's an interesting aspect. I mean, Kelly Johnson's had so many clutch hits for this team as well. And like you said, he has a decent sample size against Bumgarner. I thought I looked up Duda only had, uh, maybe I could be wrong here, only one at bat against Bumgarner in his career? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I don't remember that, but that sounds about right. Um, and yeah, I don't think uh, Loney has done very well against him either in the few times they faced each other. Yeah, I think I looked up. I think Loney was like two for twenty-three, something around there. And like neither pit, neither guy has really had you know enough success today. And like you said, Kelly Johnson though has a pretty good track record against him. Yeah, I mean that's uh, that's a uh, maybe that is an obvious pick, but that's something that you know I I think maybe you should consider. Yeah, I agree. I think it could be definitely an interesting pick there, and you know it's just going to be interesting to see how these two offenses fare against these aces and. You know, for uh, so many times we hear where a game like this could be a two to one game, all of a sudden it's a nine to eight game, and out of nowhere, it'd be interesting to see how this game goes. Absolutely, yeah. So it's one of those probably a low scoring game, especially between these two teams. I mean, both offenses, uh, you know, are capable, but they're really going to show a ton this season. But you know, yeah, I mean, I would probably you know count this more a pitcher's duel, and, and also if that's not the case, you know, if, if one of those guys gets knocked out early, I mean, I don't doubt. Uh, that either manager will, will pull out all the stops and bring in every reliever and match up every situation they need to uh, just to kind of stay alive. And from what we know, I mean, the Giants' biggest worry would probably be their bullpen going into this game. What do you think the Mets' biggest worry is for themselves? Gosh, I mean, I, I mean, I think the most obvious thing is probably just, just the lineup. Uh, they're a traditional, you know, obviously a very left-handed heavy lineup, although a fair number of them are switch hitters. The switch hitters in those cases, like a Struble Cabrera or uh, you know, Jose Reyes has actually fared pretty well hitting right-handed this season against left-handed pitching. Uh, but just overall, you know, the, the makeup of the lineup, um, you know, really, you know, left-handed, you know, hitters, pitchers could kind of pose some trouble for them. So I'd just probably say, you know, the, the runs and the scoring, you know, might be, uh, you know, might, you know, could be an issue on Wednesday. Yeah, and they're a streaky team. You know, they can go out there like we saw, score 7, 10, 12 runs, and some days go out there and, you know, score zero or one run. It'll be interesting to see what team shows up Wednesday night. And, uh, you know, I saw kind of an unsettling uh, stat earlier today. The Giants have won eight straight elimination games. Uh, do you see the Mets unseating that stat at this point and coming out on top Wednesday? No idea. I, I think it's so uh, close to call as to what happens. You take the young fire-throwing stud versus, like, the established veteran stud. I don't know. I mean, they honestly think it's so close to tell. It's too close to call, sorry. Um in terms of who, who's going to come out on top. I mean, I could see either team doing it. Um, but then, obviously, after that, they'd have a really, really tough time against the Cubs. Yeah, and uh, I really do believe whatever team does come out of this, they're playing with house money against the Cubs teams. is going to have a lot of pressure on them. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens. James, thanks so much for joining us today. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me, and uh, you know, good luck. Welcome back to the Amazing Mets cast. Thanks again to James Wagner of the New York Times joining us, giving his a few words as far as to where the Mets stand as we get ready to see a great game tonight, the wild card game. One team survives, the other team ends their season, unfortunately. So, where are we? Well, before we even get into that, let's go to Dan and John's Wings. Thank you so much to Dan and John's Wings of City Field as well, you know, to help us here once again and sponsor us in what is another big episode for us as the Mets have reached the postseason again and uh, if you're going out to the game tonight be sure to visit Dan and John's Wings at City Field for some really great wings and you could also 
order takeout and order in during football Sundays as well. Danandjohns.com. So, that being said, let's take one more quick glance of where the New York Mets and the San Francisco Giants were this year. Uh, you know, like the, the two teams ended with the exact same record, 87 and 75. Mets get home field advantage due to having the better head-to-head record. So we all know the recent postseason history, the Giants, it's an even year, so they're supposed to win the World Series, right? Well, I technically would love to see the Mets put an end to this even year crap that we have to hear every other year. So that would be nice to see. Uh, the Mets took the regular season series 4-3, to three, and um, you know that Giants series is really when their season began to turn around. So you'd like to see these guys go out here, take this game, and let's head to Chicago. You know, you are hearing a lot of people, including myself, talking about how, listen, you get past San Francisco, you're playing with house money. You know, all the pressure is on Chicago in the National League Division Series. Everybody knows that. They're expected to win. Losing is just not an option for these Chicago Cubs just based on how they were built. And who knows? You know, I just think, to me, honestly, I believe whatever team comes out of this wild card game, has a hell of a chance against the Chicago Cubs. Hopefully it's the New York Mets. But um, time will tell, of course. So, as we sit here, as this is launching at 8 a.m. Uh, Wednesday morning, just a mere 12 hours before the wildcard game itself starts. If you're going out to the game today, have an awesome time. I got the pleasure of going to a playoff game uh, last year. I saw the game in the NLCS against the Cubs. And uh, th- there's no atmosphere like it. Also, I got to see the Mets clinch, by the way, last weekend again in Philadelphia, and that was a pretty awesome experience as well. So, there's nothing like watching these guys celebrate on their own home field. It's going to be a very big, very big night. Syndergaard versus Bumgarner, nothing else needs to be said. Everybody enjoy the game, and hopefully when we'll be talking to you next week, we'll be talking about the National League Division Series. Have a good week.